You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. And this used to be recorded with our phone used in the middle to be. of the room. Yeah, Dude. I remember my first time too, pal. Jenny like walked in this morning. Oh, oh. Jenny walked in this morning and she's just like, oh my God, it stinks in here. Have you been farting? And I was like, I, I have no idea. I assume so. And then I took a deep breath and was like, oh my God, it does stink in here. Usually. I've just been a person. I've been, a just been person. existing. She was like downstairs doing something, had left the room. You know, and then came back up and was just she, like... She showered and made the, breakfast and smelled yeah, all things. Yeah, and they came back into the room full of dogs and <laughs> said, husband farts. We live here? I just, no. tell, I just tell Sarah it's the uh, it's the love machine backfiring. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> it's, it's... Oh, baby. Baby, that's... All right. That's just output from the sex factory. Gordo is back. <laughs> all right, let's start the show. Let's start the show. Welcome to the motherfucking podcast. The official... Podcast of the Rock Combo Motherfucking Ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Tony Lee. And we're here we're here with our buddy Melon Chris Davis. Hi. Yeah. Or just Melon. Anybody around town who knows Melon just knows him as Melon. I didn't even like I didn't even know exactly how to introduce you because I don't know how you introduce yourself outside of just melon. I, I just say melon. Sometimes you'll get that like, huh, look. And at that point, you say, like a cantaloupe. Where does it come from? So I've worked in restaurants my whole life. Chris is a very common name. Right. And I was working at an old Chicago, like you do when you're in your early 20s. Right. Slinging beers and whiskey and pizza back when it was still kind of a local. Right. Fun bar place, and there were six other Chris's. There's a dude who's every last... restaurant has a lot of Chris's right. specifically, right? But there was a dude in the kitchen whose last name or his first name was Davis, so I couldn't even just go by my last name. There was a dude who went by Topher, dude who went by Christopher, dude who went by Chris. Was there a guy who went by Off? There, no, <laughs> but there was a guy who was Chris Two already, so my name tag just said Three for a while. <laughs> oh man, your name was just Three, right? And then one day I took my hat off, and the bar manager, this dude Sam, still I think he still works at that old Chicago. This is ages, uh, and he goes, "Holy shit, look at the size of his melon!" And then the bar That's manager was where like, "Where it came from?" He goes, "He goes." Your name's Melon. Get used to it. And at first I was like, no, 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 no. But, uh, you know, a couple weeks go by and we're slammed. And back in the day, like, they would come in and say, yeah, I want to sit in Chris's section. And be like, who? Uh, I don't know. Well, they started coming in saying, I want to sit in Melon's section. So this was, this was before you. Way before tattoos. This was before tattoos. Yeah, way before. This is 20 years ago. Holy shit. Well, okay. Yeah, you didn't intro Melon right. Have, so, so, I mean, so, I mean, we have we have a lot to, like, we have to give a lot of background, because, yeah. I mean, I had heard of you before I met you, 
I didn't meet you until I was working at the Rockaway. Like, I was bartending at the Rockaway. I remember, I remember the night I met you. And you started coming in, but I had heard of Melon, <laughs> like, the, the, the local tattoo artist. Like, so, okay, so those of you who don't know, here in town, our good buddy Melon here is, is a very well-known, very prolific, very... Uh, Prodigious, very well respected, and go for uh, a six dollar. Uh, <laughs> I thought prodigious was a six dollar. Yeah, go seven. Now go it's, seven. Now go seven. Oh man, I, uh, erudite. Now, now go eight. Now go eight. What's an eight dollar word, Aaron? I ain't got no eight dollar words. Oh, erudite. Got, that's a good one. That's good. erudite's a good one. A learned um, man of no, just uh, but. but it, it, arguably, you are one of the bigger names in in the local Denver tattoo scene, and owner of EOD Tattoo, End of Days Tattoo, mm-hmm. on Colfax, Parker Road, and where well, else? Uh, Bonnaroo Tattoo in Aurora and Parker. Bon, so you you took over Bonnaroo, like you? Yeah, my Bonnaroo my too. mentor uh, came along and was going to sell it to some. Jackass. So, you know, not, like, so not no, no, just no. not just a ta- like an accomplished tattoo artist, but a an entrepreneur and and business owner in the tattoo world. You are like a, a shop owner and and serial entrepreneur. Like you have yeah, multiple yeah, shops. I, I, I try to do well, and I st- and for people around me, not just for me. So, you know. so this is this is twenty years ago that you were. That you were working at Old Chicago, and you pick up you pick up the name Melon, and then it might have been, I want to say it was nineteen ninety seven. Because now it's synonymous with like like it's almost like, you know, like one named artist like Banksy and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you know, or, it can be sometimes, you know, and it's it's a little weird, but you know, I mean, my grandma before she passed used to call me Melon. Like I it's, caught on that much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit! It's kind of like it's it's kind of like become your brand now. Be- yeah, because absolutely. I have I had T-shirts for a while. You know, melon tattoo artist, zombie guy thing. Does, does your family call you Gordo? Some of them do. Whoa, yeah. it runs deep. Yeah, I mean, it's just a nickname, but you know, like they catch on pretty quick. Mm-hmm. My mom will introduce me um, when she's like, "Oh, I've got this." You're talking tattoos. I'm gonna let me tell you about my son Melon. <laughs> Your like, mom actually my picked mom. it up. Well, because she has like a stack of my business cards. She's trying to help me out. Like, <laughs> I guess Fatty's <laughs> mom not, calls not, him Fatty. Not to Does be. She? I think. Yeah. I mean. I mean, Fatty's Fatty's like. Girlfriend calls him Fatty. Your sister, Fatty's. Does that weird to hear? Very. Yeah. Your sister, Fatty's like girlfriend, calls him <laughs> Fatty. Her parent, your parents call him Fatty. I'm pretty sure. My mom sure. calls him Josh. Your mom calls him Josh? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that Josh's parents occasionally at least refer to him as Fat Body or Fatty. <laughs> even though he's not fat anymore. So your mom your mom calls you Melon. Like, On occasion, yeah. It's because, okay. Yeah. So, so I guess for the purposes of, of introducing you to, to our audience and to... And, to kind of lead into the conversation about your background and some of the stuff that we want to talk about. Because one of the things that we cover a lot on this podcast is we talk about the, the, crafts, the craftsman's approach. Mm-hmm. Like basically what it takes to, to be an artistic professional in this day and age, whether or not it's playing in a band and hustling in that way or being, in an, being an artist and hustling in that way and, 
and and I'm really curious to find out some of the parallels between the tattoo world and, and, and the music world for sure. But I think before we get into that, we should talk a little bit about like your journey from old Chicago, old Chicago, <laughs> where you picked up this name to then like beginning a 20 what is now a 20 year career well, in I'm, tattooing, right? Especially it's because it's been almost 15 years. This, so you, this year will be tattooing 15. for 15 years yeah. now. Okay, because then there's there's another part of your story that I want to get to in uh, get into in this episode, which is really super inspiring and um, and really exciting, and and we'll talk about that uh, later later on. And, and and I think it's important, especially for the people who may have hit some hitches in their career along the way. So I want to talk about that later on. But I want I want to get your you know your origin story on how the last 15 years have taken you from old Chicago to what you're doing now. Well, okay. Um, I had worked in uh, restaurants, bars for most, most of my young life. Um, worked at, oh man, fine dining places where I had to wear white gloves and you know do a little ding as you serve the right, silver right. domed plates. Believe it or not, those places exist. They cost a lot of money just to walk through the door. Right. Um, to dive bars on Colfax. Now, is this and waiting? T- you were waiting tables, or I was waiting tables, and then I became a bartender. And once okay. I was a bartender, things changed. Yeah, pretty natural progression. Yeah, but I mean, things change. Once you're a bartender, it's like it's a whole different world. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I can I can make it not the way I'm, the nine I, to five thing. Yeah, it's like there's a certain level of like service industry, and then it's like bartender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like, somehow. and somehow it's just like, oh, um, I was always a drinker, but then to, like, become a bartender with, like, these hardcore drunks that I was bartending with, I mean, that's the best way to describe Which, it. Yeah. When you get into the industry, like, once you get into the industry, you realize, like, how it's all smoke and mirrors. Like, you look at somebody who is a bartender the, the, professionally, and you go, wow, I could never do that. Yeah, that just looks like such the, an uh, intense job. It's the three feet of mystery. Yeah, that th- those mm-hmm. three feet of mystery. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. And then, There's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There there are people who pour beer, and then there are fucking... Cra- there, there are true craftsmen. I, yeah. I like to think that I was somewhere between those. Like, I wasn't I wasn't the guy at, at your speakeasy pouring, what, what's, know, the, what's the, the crazy the name stuff. Of the place, but the, I could, if, you, if you told me a, a drink... I could make it. Yeah. Like if I had the ingredients behind the bar, I could make it. Like somewhere just below like Williams and Graham type of like craft make, like real legit craft. Well, I mean, when I worked like at the Tiki bar before it, before it closed, that, that, that beautiful little thing that was in the rock. Oh, the rock monic. God, Uh, rest in peace. What a fucking Tiki boys. Yeah. So when I was there, we had to come up with some drinks and it was intense. We had a, a group from the Modern Drunkard magazine that was helping us out. And we just sat and got creative, came up with all these awesome drinks. But then more importantly, it was like, okay, so we've got this cool drink list, but someone comes in and wants a chichi. I, I need to know how to make a chichi too. And I need to know how to make this. I need to know, need to know how to make that. It's not just about a personality. Most of bartending, I believe, is there's a personality behind the bar. You go to see that personality. Right, exactly. The drinks are almost secondary. It's almost like a stand-up comedian in ways. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. There's stand-up comedians. Or a therapist. Or therapists. That's there's stand-up one. comedians Especially who are, who are um, 
who are crowd work guys. Mm-hmm. There's stand-up comics who are, you know, mean comedy people. Yep. There's stand-up comedians who are story people and one-liner people and stuff like that. Yeah. Same thing in the bartending world. You have all these specialties, these different types of personalities yeah. that people specifically Well, I mean, yeah. for, for instance, I mean, I worked at a bar where I had a this really, really, really big bar. I won't say the name because I, I don't want to embarrass myself. But it was uh, uh, definitely a uh, odd place. Super high, expensive drinks. Mm-hmm. People were always, like, bummed about, like, paying for them. But we had this guy, huge bar. I was on one end. Dude was on the other. And we had a, a guy just in the service well. And all his job was was, like, he got a third of my money and a third of his money. And his job was just to pour all the drinks for the servers. But this guy at the other end of the bar was a show tender. He would have a third of my sales, a third of my tips. And I was just cranking on this side. Right, because pe- not everyone wants to wait for their drinks. Right, make me my goddamn rum. He and was coke. he was doing more of the flair <laughs> stuff, and you were doing more flipping volume. bottles like yeah. he's Tom Cruise and cocktail. Yeah. You know, like dude, I would deliver. That's like, cool, man. That's why I go to cool. Benihana. You know, it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 Benihana, but it's a it's a shtick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like and you're not doing volume, and you're not you're not really bringing that much money in. It, it, no, because they're still just tipping a dollar a drink, man. Right. You know, like <laughs> exactly. You just spent four minutes pouring a rum and coke for a dollar. Right. I found that out pretty early that uh, cracking open a beer was the same thing as learning how to make a perfect old fashioned. Dude, I prefer so I, so I, so I, so one dollar. I stopped, I, I stopped I have, learning about it. I just yeah. didn't give a shit. Worked out. Well, I mean, so in that essence, there's there's this thing in, in the tattoo business that I like to say: um, some days we make art, some days we make money, and some days we do both. That's good. It's it's really a good way to kind of keep things into perspective. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do Britney's little fucking infinity symbol bursting into flowers and birds and shit going into script and I love her my mom that's what, what I wanted on my back exactly exactly, <laughs> exactly so so did Chelsea and Brittany and so anyway so um, there's days that you do 10 of those but you know what you just paid your rent right you know what I mean like and then there's the days when you get to do the big artsy piece and maybe you can cut that dude a little bit of a break but you're going to put that on your business cards and on your, right, right, on your right. website, so like, and that's going to draw in the that's series. That's the difference between, like, cracking bottles all day, and now I get to make a yeah something cool over here. You know, I get to do this one fun little cocktail. Everybody complains you about know. making Long Island iced teas, but one of the first things I ever learned to do in, like, what I would call high volume was when I was working at, at, at the 1UP. I learned how to do the multi-bottle Long Island iced tea. Yeah. Done. You know what I mean? And I love that. Getting yeah. it, but now my the, the new place where I'm working, the bottles are all awkward, and I can't do it. Yeah, it was uh, one, two, three in one, two yep. in the other. Yep. Pour them in. Just, yep. I, yeah. I that you, gra- you grab them upside well. down, pick them up. Yeah. yeah and and people just, love it. Yeah. But what, it, what I was really into was bad flair. Like I would be into bad flair where I would do I would do silly stuff and like throw throw drinks and drop them and or throw coasters and hit people with coasters. <laughs> one time I th- and I, I one time I threw a coaster at a guy. He was drinking a Long Island iced tea and I was just practicing throwing coasters because I would do that when I got bored. And the guy had a Long Island iced tea and I had a, a, you know the lemon and the cherry on the rim, and I hit it and it like whip, or whipped this uh, coaster at him and knocked the cherry and the fucking lemon into the drink and hit the guy in his chest. And he was so impressed by that, he just reached into his wallet, pulled out a $10 bill and slapped it on the bar. (laughs) Well, there you go. You know, like the bad flair thing. (laughs) I felt like people were more impressed by you making the effort to make them laugh. Yeah, absolutely. And entertain them 
than yeah. like, oh, look, this guy can juggle bottles. Yeah. Because people, you know, people look at someone like that as like a busker on the on the street Absolutely. on the 16th Street Mall. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I love that shit. Yeah. And yeah. buskers, actually. I, I love I love it, too, but I would argue that they probably extent. don't make as much... <laughs> they probably don't make as much money. I mean, I could be wrong. I've never done it. I could bartend. Well, who, a bartender or a busker? Shit, yeah. well, I, 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 well, we've busked before, but not with very much success. Um, but, well, we've, like, on tour... You a of money from busking. No shit. Yeah. Have you ever busked yeah. before? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's this, there's this dude who uh, goes down to 16th Street Mall, wears his uh, kilt, plays bagpipes, yep. and that dude makes more in probably an hour than I do in a week. No, no like, I, I fucking Watching way. that dude, he's just sitting there practicing. Because he's like, I, his wife probably won't let him practice at the house because it's fucking bagpipes. bagpipes. <laughs> you know, you can't practice in the park too early because... You get kicked out of the park. Can't practice too late. Get kicked out of the park. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's noise ordinances all over the place, and those things are fucking terrifying. If you've ever had yeah. to practice with them. I, I, but, but busking, you yeah. can make a lot of money busking. When I, when I was a kid, you'd make a couple hundred bucks in a couple hours or an hour. Yeah. That's pretty Especially cool. kids. Then why Especially are we doing kids. that? Kids. I got older to start listening to punk rock and rock oh, and stop busking. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's just one of those things. I think people have a little bit of compassion. If you don't look too dirty, I think you yeah. make you make more. Like, oh, this kid's like a serious musician. Mm-hmm. Cool. If you're the guy busking and you got your, your dog with you and your, you know, like your girlfriend is like questionably walking around the crowd. like And you're like singing like that, train like, hopper pirate <laughs> anthems and shit like that. Yeah. And everyone's just like, these people are going to steal all our money. You're talking about Broadway. That's exactly don't talk to me. About. Don't talk. Like, well, it's it's also if I give like, him a dollar, he might want to make eye contact. You know. Yeah, and I feel like some some busking is successfully getting people just to walk away and leave money, right. so you don't do anything. Right. So Chicago's much bigger than Denver. There's buskers downtown on every corner and every subway. I mean, they're everywhere, and a lot of them are really fucking good. It's like that in they, New York too. Yeah, exactly. Craziest shit I've ever seen as far as busking goes. Asheville, North Carolina, walking around with my friend for lunch. I shit you not. There's a dude sitting on the on the on the corner with a little antique typewriter, little pieces of paper. And I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" He's like, "You give him five bucks, he writes you a poem." Oh, I have types seen, you a poem. I've seen guys types do that. It. Like, <laughs> like the fuck is that a thing? And he's I've like, "Oh that. no, he's one of five. Yeah. And I'm like, "You have five typewriter buskers." There's there's a guy Dude. here in Denver who does it. I've seen actually a I'm couple people. Wrong. In Den- there, there's a couple people in Denver who do it. So um, so you're bartending. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. move up. You move up from fine dining to bartending. Opens up a whole new world. Now yeah. are you are you drawing at this point? Oh, I've like, I've always been drawing. Okay, so you've always been drawing. Right. All right. So uh, so when when I was at the Tiki Bar, that's when it kind of I was meeting a lot of tattooers. I had tattoos, but I. I didn't know the difference between good tattoos and bad tattoos. Currently, at that point, uh, I was getting bad tattoos from a dude who came into the bar a lot, and we became roommates, and I would send my drawings with my customers to his place, and he and his uh, friend, uh, the guy who ended up being my mentor and teaching me, a guy by the name of Dan Barker, I'm like, dude, why don't you tattoo for a living? I'm like, because I fucking bartend, dude. Mm Mm-hmm. You know how much money I make? Like, I'm not walking away from this. Like, I was... Granted, I drank it all. So, I mean, I lived in a shitty little one, one-bedroom one apartment. You like, know? how much were you making bartending at this point? Well... I don't think I've ever made enough money bartending that I, that I wouldn't want to quit. Oh, no, dude. Like, there was something about the Tiki Bar. 
Like yeah. the tiki bar changed things for me monetarily. Like, so we had, um, I don't know if you remember back then they were guest bar. You could do guest bartending shifts all over the place. Right. So I did guest bartending shifts at old Curtis street bar, bar, uh, Don's, uh, when, uh, before it had got purchased by, um, when it was still Don, quite had just, popular. Yeah. Don had just pa- passed and, um, a guy named John Tarecki was in there. Well, little pub company was still a little pub company. So you were and a then, legit career bartender at this right, point. Like, you, like okay. I could go around and do, but so what we would do on Sunday nights is I would host other guest bartenders from around town. And on that one night, like we would have, it was $2 U-Collets, dollar PBRs, and we would sell 1500 to $2,000 in a night. Mm-hmm. You know, so between There's me and the other bartender, and it's all service people. Right. We'd bring in twelve, fifteen hundred bucks in the tip jar between the two of us. Holy shit. That's good. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's it's industry people. You know what I right. mean? Right. So they're so like 30, 40%. If yeah. not more. You know what yeah. I mean? 100% on their tabs because they're there to see their friend rock and roll at this new bar. Right. And then the bar does really well throughout the week because you get return business, and then I go to their bar and... I feel you like know, that's, that's the main thing is going to their bar and keeping keeping the rolling going around. You know? Yeah, it was. It, we weren't trying to steal customers from Nolans. We weren't trying to steal customers from Don's or Cherry Cricket or wherever we did it. It was, I want to introduce my crowd to your people. Exactly. And introduce your crowd to my people. Right. And we all went. Right. You know, there weren't as many bars as there are now. So... It was just different, and it worked really, really, really well. And on my normal shifts, I'd make two, three hundred a night, you know. So I'd work three nights without a guest bartender, one night with a guest bartender, and then I worked one day shift, and I made, you know, anywhere from twelve, fifteen hundred a week as a bartender. God damn! And it wasn't really that hard. Yeah, you know. Granted, four o'clock in the morning, I'm getting home, and we used to do a little kind of like. Sneaky, sneaky, because there were no windows, no exterior doors and stuff. We could close the doors and serve till 4 or 5 o'clock in the right, morning right, if we right. really wanted to. And we did. You know, couple, oh, of course. A couple times a week we would do it, you know, if we were of feeling course. up to it. Um, I know that feel, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun when it's cool people to hang out with. Yeah, you, you know? get people like... <laughs> I feel like it's, I, yeah. it's where I met, like I said, a lot of the modern drunker people. So I, I met right. Luke Schmaltz. Luke Schmaltz was like... Known for like coming in and tipping a uh, hundred bucks. Luke four Schmaltz. Times. Luke four Schmaltz th- was the first <laughs> he was experience. Not I, no, he was the first experience I had with like the after hours bartender. Yeah, because back then when I first started going to bars, he was working at High Street Speakeasy, mm-hmm. and that place was literally a speakeasy and brothel at one point. So it had no windows. Yeah, you know, it was pitch black after you know two a.m. Yeah. You could you could lock the doors and we would stay in there till the sun came yeah. up every day. Well, he the there were so many ways of getting out of the tiki bar cuz you could just go out the back door of the hotel, go out the side door of the hotel. Right. The, the lady at the front counter never had to know. The only problem was there were no smoke eaters, so that the smoke would just continue to roll down the hallway. It was, it was disgusting. I mean, like there was that much you can't imagine the amount of smoke you would walk But if you're staying at the Colfax but, Ramada, I think you know what you've gotten yourself into. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> in all fairness, though, they had just done the re- done a remodel on it, so the rooms were actually at that point. Right. Nice. Give it a year, 
shithole again. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was what it was. And we had a, an arrangement with the hotel where if someone wanted, they could stay for 30 bucks. Oh, wow. the, oh, yeah, you know hotel. what? I remember that. So that no one would have to worry about DUIs. We worked it out, like... But, I mean, not a whole lot of people took us up on it. But every now and then, when you had to put someone in a hotel room, it was worth 30 bucks out of my pocket, even. For real. You know? And that yeah. customer was like, dude, you took care of me last <laughs> night. Thank you so much. You know, dude, like, there, there has got, it was like, amazing. I kind of I kind of feel yeah. like the... the it's a one in a million kind of bar. It'll never happen again. I don't think it will. I feel like the Tiki Bar was kind of this last little bit of this old idea of the hotel bar. You know, yeah. you hear that a lot in, in rock star mythology about like, oh, after the show, we're going to go party at the hotel bar. And you yeah. have rock stars that would be just getting wasted with the the hotel patrons at the at the bar and then go met, up and stay at their rooms. And shit I met like so that. many people, so many like to this day, friends um, like Bouncing Souls, for instance. I had no idea. I heard their music. I knew who they were, but I'd never. But you, their, but you met them as a their, bartender, yeah. which is way better than meeting them as a fan. Right. So here's these guys. They're in three days early before a show. Three days early. Okay. So they're just at the bar for three days. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? This is great. There's this uh, this girl Kate. She's with them. You know, the song Kate is great. It's actually she that she's a girl. There's the manager. She's rock. She's rad. Um, she is great. Yeah, she is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not like, just a clever song. So I, I meet them, and then they're like, hey, man, you coming to the show tonight? And I was like, show? And they're like, holy shit, you actually don't know who we are. And I was like, should I? Yeah. You know, they're like, the bou- we're, we're, the bounce- we're the bouncing souls. And I was like, oh. I've heard of you guys. Yeah, I've heard of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, you should come to our show tonight. And I'm like, nah, I got to work. <laughs> so I mean and then they came in again and they came in again and they would always call me up like we exchanged numbers and it was like hey what are you guys doing what are you guys doing this time you so know, let me like, so let me ask you this then because that brings up that brings up another question so is, many weird bands so so since you went from doing service industry to uh, well from like working at like old Chicago style service industry into like working at like kind of hip cool bars like the Tiki Bar and Don's Mixed Drinks yeah. and, and, and places like that so prior to getting into that world were you not really into like the counterculture punk rock like I was world? an old like rivet head man I liked my I like ministry and skinny puppy and you know like really I was into industrial stuff man like and I will fully admit that that genre changed and went into a direction I did not like. Right. It turned basically into techno. Right. You know, like kind of aggressive, weird techno shit um, at, a, at a point in the late 90s that, you know, you can only listen to your old ministry album so many times before, you know, like. Right. I get it. Jesus built your hot rod. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, like, it wasn't something like, like, so for uh, what I think you see with a lot of people who kind of get into this world is, is they spend they spend their teenage years kind of running around in the punk rock scene and make a lot of friends in that kind of scene, and yeah. then they grow up and they get jobs. Yeah. But this is kind of like you came from another world. Like, you came almost strictly from, like, a fine dining and service position and ended up, in, like, taking your bartending experience to these other places. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, like, the the punk rock I liked versus the punk rock that, like, my wife likes. My wife is definitely more... You know, descendants, that kind of stuff. Whereas I was like the damned, 
like right. old English, kind of in that gothy. You know, you look at Dave Vanian. I always joke that he was like Nick one Cave of the first, and shit like yeah, that. Shit like that, where it's a little bit more like, oh, I'm really sad and depressed. Yeah, like and, you, you know, you're a goth kid. Yeah, yeah that's was, cool. Yeah, I was a. I didn't. I didn't want to want to be a goth kid, but you know the whole. Industrial thing. Industrial is a little scarier, right? Like and that's it, what I liked about it. It, it was scary. It was dark. It, industrial it was like, is like violent angry. goth. You know what I mean? It is. Well, we wore spikes, and you know, like it was. You know, if you can imagine, my hair was like tall and spiky. You know, with I put like that's hard uh, to imagine, dude. It was it was really <laughs> weird. I had this really like big afro looking fucking thing, and in order to make it work, I would put pipe cleaners in the in my hair, and then Elmer's glue. To make the spikes, because like if I didn't have something in them, they would go spike and then just basically turn into these fucking ribbon lock looking <laughs> curls. So okay, so so what sold you? What sold you on leaving? Because you were saying that you were this this guy who ended up being your mentor is like, why don't you tattoo? And you're like, there's no way I would leave this this money behind. What changed? What moved um, you out of there? The first thing that started to happen is I know I, I knew that the bar that I was working at wouldn't live much longer. There was some stuff going on. Mm-hmm. The Tiki Bar. Now, don't get me wrong. When the Tiki, when the the Modern Drunkard crew pulled out, it was no longer Tiki Boyd's. The owner of the place, well, not the owner, the guy who was managing it and running it for a while, tried to. He still called it the Tiki Bar. Right. That's what I always knew it as. Right. So the Tiki Bar was a different generation, and that's when you had. Um, Ryan Smith was bartending. Ryan Negley was bartending there. Right. Um, oh, I could see your face. I can't remember her name. There was a lot of people that like came on, but that whole crew left. And when the exodus happened, I was like, I need to make a change. And I contacted my buddy, and I was like, how serious are you about this tattoo thing? And there you go. It just kind of happened. Um, I, I, I left the tiki bar and went to go work at a really corporate shit place that I knew would pay some bills. I had a, enough money stashed. Wasn't really enough, but I had some money stashed so that I could make it through an apprenticeship, like a year of not really working. Um, I worked the door at the streets of London. I, um, I kind of just did whatever I needed to do to, you know, and I still did guest spots. But it wasn't, I mean, doing the guest spots wasn't enough because I didn't have my own home bar. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't, I couldn't trade, really, you know. But And then one day I was done with my apprenticeship. They go tattoo people, and the rest is kind of what it is, So you know. So, well, then that, that leads me to believe that you must have already been pretty accomplished as a as a graphic artist at that point, like as, as drawing picture, you know, drawing doodles on, na- I mean, I get, I, I, I was must have seen you of, drawing on napkins and shit or, or, well, or, I had an art book and I, and I always played around with colored pencils and, um, I did a lot of cartoony sketches and I did a lot of like, um, I, I used to like drawing Celtic knotwork stuff. Okay. Um, like, so I do like these big custom Celtic knotwork pieces, make them look like stained glass in my art book, you know? And I would, I, I didn't draw it for anyone but me, you know, like I wasn't sending these big, you know, I'd spent 20 hours on a drawing and just, that was me getting off work at the end of the night. Yeah. Or it's slow in the middle of the day, bust out my... So how would you how would you say that making the transition into basically like having to draw pictures on people for a living? It was a nightmare. Like like how like how is that? 
influenced your your productivity as an as an artist, and it expanded your uh, expanded your palette as an artist. Well, so there's drawing, and then there's drawing for tattoos, and they are two totally different concepts. Mm-hmm. Just because you can paint doesn't mean you can draw with graphite. Just because you can uh, do oils doesn't mean you can do acrylics. Just because you can do all that stuff doesn't mean you can tattoo. Right. You know, like, you yeah. can do, it, it's learning a whole new craft, a whole new way of drawing. It's learning how to, you know, use their skin as a negative tone, learning how to, you know, like everything. There's so much that goes into t- drawing for tattooing that during your apprenticeship you should learn. Um, I didn't necessarily learn all that during my apprenticeship. I wish I had a, I love Dan to death. But it was definitely like, fly, little bird, fly. Oh, shit, he's falling. You know, like. Oh, yeah. Well, well but I mean. Come they, back to the nest when you can. You know, like. <laughs> it's like, yeah. good luck. <laughs> but do you, do you think that kind of being thrown out of the nest like that and, and, and ma- giving the freedom to make a lot of mistakes and flail around has a lot to do with <laughs> what has driven you to open, what, five tattoo shops? Three. Three, three tattoo shops? Yeah. It's a. Uh, um, the tattoo shops just kind of happened. I, I didn't. I wasn't planning on it. It wasn't a thing. I you didn't, didn't set. You didn't set out like with a vision of like we're gonna being an owner. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Everyone used to say, "When are you gonna own your own shop? When are you gonna open your own shop?" And I'm like, no, because there's a lot of talk about and th- th- there's a lot of talk that that's out there. And I mean, I, I certainly. Uh, propagate this message of like getting a very clear plan of, of what you want to do and getting you know kind of having a vision for where you want to be eventually and deciding what kind of work you're going to get there and accomplish your goal but I hear more and more of these stories about people who just kind of pursued something that interested them or like they needed the money and ended up developing a substantial skill set as a result and then opportunities kind of fell in their lap as a result. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I had left a, a, sh- a shop that I'd been working at, um, and I was kind of trying to find my place in, like, I'd spent three years at this shop, and for me, so coming from the, the restaurant industry, as you know, three years is a long time to be in one place. Yeah. So I was kind of at this one place and trying to find a new home, and uh, my old my old boss, kind of mentor, Ken Hagler, who owned Bonnaroo Tattoo, called me up and was like, hey, uh, I got a spot and I'd really like you to come work for me again. And I was like, man, you know, I just settled into this new spot. I really appreciate it. And he's like, eh, well, yeah, I mean, you probably don't want to come work, work here anyway. I'm probably going to sell it to these guys. I don't know. And I'm like, hold on. Why are you selling the shop? Who's buying it? And he told me who's buying it. And I was like, oh, God, no. You can't. It's like tearing down your your you know your the house you grew up in like mm-hmm. no 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 you can't no not him no anyone but him right 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 you know and i was just like no right absolutely not um i said ken well what's the offer on the table and he told me and i just you know like i was about to buy a house and um cuz i was that's where i was at financially i was right. so i'd secured some loans and i'd had a nice little down payment cuz i'd you know be in the little do my shit right, pay my taxes, kind of tattooer, you know, um, set money aside kind of thing. And I'm sitting here looking at, I was like, how much do you want? Jesus Christ, I got to come up with some cash. I got to give, what's, what's my time frame? He gave me a time frame to come up with the money, uh, before the other guys. And, uh, I beat him to it. 
and I bought the shop kind of on a now Bonner so Bonnery was the first shop that you bought yeah I bought two of them at once you bought both of them at once yeah he wanted to, he wanted to leave he wanted to leave the state of Colorado he he was done with ta- the tattoo business he was over hiring and firing people I mean this guy I, I watched this guy he was w- burnt out on it he, he didn't was want to so do it. burnt out he didn't care who worked for him after 50, 10 <laughs> years right <laughs> 15, 20. <laughs> do, do you want us to back up? Is that what you're saying? Can we hear that again? <laughs> no. No, he's pushing bad. buttons that he oh. shouldn't be pushing. Um, <laughs> so, like, he's he's basically wanting to get the hell out of Dodge. Right. He is thrown in the towel. He doesn't care. <laughs> like, when I bought it, there were three guys sitting at, sitting at the Parker shop that just needed to get fired. You know, one guy had pulled a gun on a... On an underage girl for a credit card getting declined. Another guy was what? sexting 15 year olds. And the other guy was just a thief. Jesus. You know, like, so, like, that's what I bought. You know what I mean? Like, the other shop was good to go. So you bought the, the, the team from minor league, essentially? If not worse. We got to get this team together. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you, bought, you bought, like, the bad news bears, essentially. Yeah. So I went in and I talked to a few friends that I had worked with in the past. And I was like, I got to replace this crew. Who can I count on? Who are like, so I bought, not bought. I uh, talked to a couple guys and I hired the dude who fired me from a shop. I'm like, if you've got the balls to come up to me and be like, yo, man, you're fired. I'm like, what the fuck did I do? He's like, we heard you're looking to go uh, over this other place, and that's just not going to work for us. So you need to go ahead and pack your shit up today and get going. And I was like, I kind of respected him. It pissed me off because I got fired about a day before I was going to put in my two weeks notice. Right. But I get it. And that dude had the balls to fire me. I liked working with him. He was a solid dude, solid tattooer. Still to this day, solid dude, solid tattooer. Right. Hey, man, you want to come work for me? I'll give you a better percentage. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that easy. Just like I that. made him my manager. Yeah, you yeah. Manage the shop for me because I'm going to be working out of the other shop managing it, and I need a solid dude I can trust down here. You had the balls to fire me, which means you'll probably have the balls to fire someone smaller than me. Well, any any you any fire that's <laughs> true, but someone with smaller <laughs> balls—that's a real question. But no, he. <laughs> well, well, I mean, he, you you knew he stood by his principles, and you knew yeah. he knew how yeah. to run a shop, and and he well, had, I didn't know if he knew how to run a shop. He wasn't the manager. He. The manager made him fire me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so you didn't hire the manager? No, I hired I hired the dude who had the balls to fire me. Right. Because that told me that he had what it took to at least get that side of it down. Is it, are you guys still working and I coached him. No, 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 he's moved on. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a great dude. He's working in a really good shop. I'm still friends with him. He's a great dude. You know? So how many, how many guys do you have between the three shops? <sighs> well... I do have to preface this before I go into it. Bonnaroo, I have a partner, J.J. Crampton. I brought him on. Okay. He was my manager for the, the pair of shops after. So um, EOD is separate. EOD is its own thing. It's its own entity. Separate. Yeah. So you are part owner of the two Bonnaroo's. Yeah, and 50-50. Then, so you're 50-50 I, I, on, I, on I, the two Bonnaroo's. So J.J. is a really, really dear friend. Um, he was a, one of the most go-to guys I could ever ask for. Um, I had him at a super, super stupid high percentage, and I, I was thinking to myself, like, um, you probably remember his, his uh, wife, Molly, from Streets. Oh, fuck yeah. 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 So, like, Molly and Jenny are, like, best <sighs> friends. Okay, cool. You know, like, I, I, we go way back. And I was like, hey, man, 
I'm about to, like, I was about, just about done paying off all my stupid fucking business loans. I'm used to making X amount. Do you want to buy in for half the shop? Because once the business loans were gone, my income was going to go, you know, like it was just going to soar, which would have been great. But I was already used to making the, the smaller amount because I had so many business loans, dude. And it took so long to pay them off. Right. But I was used to making that much less. And when I say business loans, I mean, like, I was paying five, 6000 a month in loans. Jesus. That's just, you know, there were, there were months at the beginning where it was like pulling out my credit card, swiping my own credit card at my own business terminal right. to make sure rent's getting paid. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because I had the business loans, you know? Right. And... You don't pay the business loans, there goes whatever else you got going on. You know what I mean? You got to pay those. So I was used to making considerably less. The shops kind of paid for themselves, did what they needed to do. I wasn't making a fortune by any means. Right. You know, uh, my tattooing was still sustaining. But you knew what you could get by with. Right. And, and so then when that so big like, spike is kind of on yeah. the horizon, you have this this kind of overage that yeah. you were able to do and other things. He had like just that. he had just had a kid. And I guess it was my way of saying, I want to do right by you and your family. Do you want to buy in? And it wasn't, I I let him buy in for less than half of what I bought in for. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you know, I turned it around. I put a ton of money into it. It is what it is. I wanted, I wanted to help him. And it wasn't like he didn't need help. You know what I mean? But I didn't have another way of giving that dude a raise. Right. Without letting him buy, letting him buy in, and I, and I don't mean like buy in in a way like oh, the Aurora shop needed to be remodeled. I didn't have the funds for it directly. When he bought in, he paid for the remodel, and uh, now the shops are rock and rolling again. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty new shop. I love it. But awesome. I needed some funds. I was going to go get a loan. Why not bring him on as a partner? Right. Instead of just having to manage. Right. You know, give back to a dude who worked for me uh, since day one. He was the first person I hired. Right. That's you awesome. Know, yeah. And relationships so, are really important dude, to you. Dude, you have no idea, man. Like, No, my, I get it. You Well, yeah, you do. You do know. So, yeah. like, my circle is small and tight. I have a really big world of people I know. Right. But I have a, a small little circle. And any one of them calls at any given time, I drop everything and I go do what I got to do. You know, and that's, are you familiar with Dunbar's number? We've talked about it a few times on the on the podcast. I don't think so. So, Gordo, have I ever talked to you about Dunbar's number before? I know you've talked to me about it. So Dunbar's <laughs> number is basically this theory that um, all human tribal systems, because of how our brain has developed... Like, and they've, they've compared this to other primates and, and the size of their brains. And you, there's a direct correlation between uh, evolutionary, like the, the size that our brains have evolved to, like our prefrontal cortex, and the number of people we have in a sustainable tribal system. Mm-hmm. So basically, across the board, human beings can really only attend to relationships with about 150 people at a time. So tribes tend to cut off at about 150 people. And, and you can actually look at this, even if you look at social media, p- 
people are generally only engaging with around 150 people on a regular basis. Right. There's about 150 people that you keep in regular contact with, that you do regular things with. Now that changes. It's not a it's not a static concept. You know, it is. Um, it's dynamic. It, it moves around, and that 150 people change from time to time. The way I've thought about it is like if you've ever been at a big concert and you've seen a spotlight move across a crowd. Yeah. Imagine a spotlight that only encompasses about 150 people at a time. Yeah. No. Totally so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that. So I would say that my circle is a lot smaller than 150 people. Well, and that. But think about it in concentric rings. Yes. So you've got like your inner ring. Which is probably, I'm going to guess, like between Ten. four and six people. And then even up to like, like your, your second ring is probably something like 10 to 15 people, something like that. I've got, I've got my, my super core. Like, you know, it's the ride or die. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's probably, you know, um, eight of us. Right. Eight to 10. Right. Um, it kind of you know it's a it's a little bit bigger because it's like the ride or die and like so um, it was our group became it's like it's not just the guys Mm -hmm. it's the guys and now we're all the guys and the wives yeah right but the wives like is what it's like with us too it's the guys it's it's the same it's the same circle though like the wives are in that circle. Now. Right, right. Because it's like yeah, absolutely, you know, like we, and eventually it becomes the guys, the wives, and the kids, and then like the extended I don't know about family. that in our circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, right. uh, like, in, in our circle, it's probably yeah, headed that direction. Like kids, so, yeah, no, not uh, no. You had your balls snipped. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the happiest days when I first started uh, dating Jenny, I was like, "How do you feel about kids?" This is like a month into us dating. She's like, just looked at me and was like, "What the." F- Fuck, look on her face. And I was like, no, 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 no. I just, I got to know. It's kind of a deal breaker. Do you like kids or not? She goes, no. So you don't want to have kids? She's like, fuck, no, I don't want to have kids. And I was like, oh, thank God. She's like, what? And I was like, I'm going to go get a vasectomy here soon. Right. And it's kind of a deal breaker because if you want them, I'm not going to be able to give them to you. By the way, I'm going to need someone to help me out with some ice packs next week. Right, 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 right. right. So, like, uh, it's uh, yeah, uh, kids freak me. The I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. I got I got an idea. But, yeah, man, I just... No, they're not for everybody. Jenny's always been there for you during surgeries, man. Dude, that girl is more than a rock. Yeah. She's pretty fucking awesome. Yes. When you, yeah, you, you had uh, Dude, I, surgery on your hands. Yeah. Recent I, as fuck. And I, I definitely want to get into that because that's that's a whole other story that and we he, need to talk about. And he got about. surgery on one hand at a time to say thank you to Jenny. Yeah, I, I did not want to ruin our relationship with her wiping my ass. Yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> if, that's I, smart. I, I almost got them both done, and the, doc- to, yeah. the doctor was like... Just be aware, if you do both of these, you're not going to be able to wipe your ass for almost two weeks. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about that while we're on this. Let's talk about wiping your ass while we're on this subject. Yeah. So you installed a bidet. Yeah. So you... <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. After. So right. we're, we're, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. So the Bonnaroo shops are going. You end up going on and opening up EOD on your own. That's yeah. the, EOD is your shop. It's really thriving out on Colfax. Really awesome shop. Really cool thing. But... What was it, a year into it, two years into it, that you started well, having some trouble, right? 
even before I bought Bonnaroo, and this is so this started happening before you even bought. Okay, I was having a lot of pain in my hands and my elbows. I counted it, uh, attributed it to the fact that the last shop I worked at for three years, I was working fifty-five hours a week, and I was pretty much the walk-in guy for the first two years of that. You know, right, like I was the guy. I mean, you've managed to accomplish and, a lot in a very short tattooing career. I mean, relatively speaking, a fifteen-year career. Yeah. You know, and and you've accomplished so much. I'm I'm certain that you've probably done tens of thousands of tattoos. I would say so at this point. Yeah, yeah. So what what was the exact condition that you ended up with? Well, so I have nerve damage. So I got problems in my neck that with nerves coming out. They said that that wasn't the, the root cause. That will eventually lead to something. But right now, that's, that's fine. I had to do all this testing and shit. It was kind of obnoxious how much testing I had to do. Uh, but it was carpal and cubital tunnel problems. Um carpal tunnel syndrome cubital tunnel syndrome i didn't know that was i didn't even know that was a thing like the way you're sitting right now makes my arms hurt both like both of you like this little part about it this little thing that where your elbow sits you know there's that little yeah oh you've just got you've got a rotten nerve there that just like hurts like what it is that's the that's your ulnar nerve running through the cubital tunnel and a lot of people don't think about it and they sit like this and they put their they kind of rock that little there's oh, the, the little nerve. Right oh, right, and you're tattooing right and you're leaning f- on that elbow. Right, so we're leaning on that, and I'm basically dead. Uh, my arm, I couldn't feel my hands. And it went from not being able to feel my hands to uh, every now and then they would go painfully asleep while I was tattooing. And so you got the yips. You got the yips coming on. It was bad. And then um, the, the last two tattoos I did um, before the surgeries, uh, when I knew it was time, I was like, uh, I didn't do bad tattoos. I would like to say that. Um, I had cut from like full time to four days a week, from four four days a week to three days a week to two days a week to two tattoos a week to four hours a, a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I cut my schedule so much to accommodate what my hands could and couldn't do that uh, I was at a point where um, I did a tattoo and my right hand fell asleep, but I had a condition on my right hand called trigger finger where these two fingers were basically locked. It's the bottom two, the pinky and the ring finger were locked and my machine just kind of got stuck there. So I was able to finish the tattoo with three completely dead fingers and two fingers that were dead, but they were locked shut. So I was oh. able to hold on. It was, doing, it was doing some like some... You got a picture of that some, tattoo? Yeah, I do. It actually healed up really well. But I was doing just some filler background work, just soft black, and all I had to do was kind of go back and forth to kind of fill it in. Uh, The next tattoo I did, and that one scared the living shit out of me. I had nightmares about that tattoo, and when I finally saw it healed, I was fine. But the next one, I was working on this big sleeve, huge, colorful uh, mountain snowboarding space, you know, just this really cool piece. And my stretching hand, my left hand fell asleep. And there's this uh, technique where you pull the skin tight from the back of the arm, to that way the front of the arm, the skin's nice and tight, and you can do your tattoo. But because I couldn't feel my left hand, I had no idea how hard I was pulling, stretching this girl's skin. And I ended up bruising her really bad, and at that point I felt like I was doing uh, more harm than good. Mm -hmm. The tattoo came out great because I bruised the inside of her arm, not the outside of her arm. Right. But I didn't feel comfortable. I even had one of uh, one of the this gal working for me named Beth, um, just a sweetheart. She ended up finishing the tattoo for me. 
not that session, but like right. she did a couple more sessions to finish it up and like wow. tighten it up for him because I wasn't even comfortable finishing it. And I couldn't give her a time frame. I was like, I don't know what's wrong. And I started doing testing the next month. You know, like I didn't tattoo again for almost a year and a half. Wow. So, t- so tell me what the timeline looked like on the surgeries and, and um, what that process looked like. Figuring out what it was took probably six or eight months. Um, one person was like, you know, you know, you get the, oh, you got problems with your neck. Okay, cool. Um, so we go start doing all these tests and doing all this stuff. Um, you know, you're dealing with surgeons and you're dealing with, you know, neurologists and you're getting MRIs and you're getting all the, you know, e- not EKGs. Uh, just going I, through I, all yeah, this Yeah, just going through all this stuff. Like, right. at one point, there, I'm getting needles jabbed in my neck and needles jabbed in my finger. And then they're electrocuting it, trying to find where the damage is. And they just keep working their way down and working on different things. And they're just trying to electrify the nerves to find out where it is that it's broken. Right. And that's when they discovered that, you know, as much as I had carpal tunnel, it was the cubital tunnel that was more fucked up. Wow. Um, and on both arms. And that was kind of a... You know, it was a bad day when I found that out. Right. Um, fixable, yes, but I had talked to a lot of people who had had the surgery, and it was like a 50-50 shot. 50-50. Right. 50%, 50% were, were made better almost immediately, and 50% were made worse. Like to the point that there was no recovery for them. Right. Go back in for another surgery, maybe that'll help. Go back in for another surgery, maybe that one will help. Um, and basically what they do is they open up the little box... In, in that spot and imagine just an excavator going in and going, you take all that scar tissue out you pull the veins the tendons and the, the nerves up and out that's the scar right there huh? yeah that's the scar on that one and that's the scar on that one and you take it like back in the day the scar was this big oh, to shit. do that surgery all left here and now it's all like <laughs> uh, they can actually make it look like it's not it's just part of your natural crease like if you didn't know i had the surgery you wouldn't they would just assume you're an industrial kid. You could barely, and, yeah, like stigmata stuff, you yeah. know, like, but that's it on both hands. So, I drove real nine-inch nails through my hands. I did, man. I hung, like, it was amazing. But, <laughs> no, it was, uh, uh, so they basically go in, scoop all that shit out, put it back together, sew it up, and they say, all right, go to physical therapy. And How long is physical therapy for one hand? Physical therapy, well, I started going to physical therapy, um... Before, like, uh, before I had my second second set of surgeries, so, like the cubital tunnel is. Oh, I see here. it. Yeah, 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 right there on yeah. the elbow. There it is. Nice enough to not cut my tattoos, but that was nice. Um, the physical therapy was a few months, and I still do the stretches every day. Um, some days I forget because you know we're human and we wake mm-hmm. up and we're running ten minutes behind when we're really an hour behind, and mm-hmm. you know a million things happen in your day. Um, but uh, I was terrified. Like, shortly after the, the surgery, um, this hand developed a tremor. The yips. Bad. Like, um, but what it was is when you have trigger finger, which basically your fingers are either closed or open. There's no, like, There's no this yeah. slow movement between them doesn't exist. So they're either click shut or click open. So getting these motions back... When you run too hard, you run, you exhaust a muscle, what happens? It starts to shake, starts to right, tremor. Right, right, right. that one little movement, do this like three or four times, my whole hand would just start. 
like wow. almost like a palsy and it was just like oh my god what and i lost my shit i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god right they, they're explaining no it's totally natural and i'm like fuck you you're lying to me you know like, you know, this, like is, well, you, this you is gave, way worse yeah. you gave the comparison you gave the analogy of the of the runner you know it's like it's like when you get the the jiggly legs, you know, yeah. when you get like, yeah, and it was just like that. But I had to, wow. I had to do all these exercises and like get the. I got the little things where you go, and all yeah. the little spreaders the and all the yeah, yeah, the little finger manipulators and all these weird tools and you know, big dildo looking things you gotta do this shit with and like you know like manipulate by the way I've always wondered what it would be like to give someone an Indian burn on their dick like I'm watching you I'm watching you do that and I'm just like if you I know that's like totally non-sequitur I think you would probably rip their 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 dick dick skin like that's what I imagine I imagine the dick skin because I know what happened has happened to my dick when I've just jerked it too hard, like not lubricated, you know what I mean? And you get, you definitely get abrasions and breaks. I imagine if someone grabbed it firmly with both hands and twisted it, it would definitely... They'd probably just break your dick. Yeah, probably break the skin off your dick. Anyway, so the surgeries that almost destroyed your life. Surgeries, um, you know, they... I, I get these surgeries, you know, I do the physical therapy, and then I have to start tattooing, and I'm terrified to start tattooing. Right. Because I haven't done it in so fucking long. Was it, so like, is this a year and a half after the surgery? Yeah, then? yeah, or no, year and a half since I stopped tattooing, and we're we're about at this point. Um, I got it was June and July, June twenty fifth, July twenty fifth, something like that. Mm-hmm. That I got my surgeries, and only really started tattooing again. Right before the end of the year. So you did. So, so okay. Like so six you, months, and I was I was tattooing. You had mentioned that you did the rather than doing the surgeries at the same time, you did them one after the other. Yeah. So you were able you were able to like as you said wipe your ass again after a month, uh, a month after having the first surgery, and then were able to get the second surgery. Am I understanding that right? Well, no. I mean, I could wipe my ass immediately after the first surgery because I didn't. I only, right, right, I only, right. But that's I got my right hand done first. And then how long was it did it take to heal <laughs> before you could do the a, mo- a month we did the next next surgery. So you did the surgeries a month apart. Right. Okay. Which was almost not long enough. You how, know what I mean? Like how so? Wh- wiping your hand with a or wiping your ass with a hand that doesn't quite work. <laughs> and you're trying to get I'll the tensile strength to like we, we installed a bidet almost immediately after that. Because <laughs> I was just, I wasn't comfortable with. You just couldn't, you, you mentioned excavating earlier. You weren't able to I excavate I didn't want to excavate my, my butthole and just like. You missed. didn't have that, you didn't have that torque yeah. in your, you know, because when you well, wipe your ass. Also remember, this was happening. You know, the shake, 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 shake. So I'd go back there and. Shake, 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 shake. And so all, you were uh, shaking your shit machine. Yeah, I was shaking my yeah. shit machine. Uh, yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> but we got to do the bidets. See, I'm, I'm trying to talk Sarah into a bidet at the house, well, and she's kind of opposed to it. You don't have to use like, it. You don't have to use it. Jenny doesn't have to use the bidet. We only have one in the house. We have a couple different bathrooms. You don't have to use it. Just because you sit on a toilet that has oh, a bidet. No, no, no. My, my brother-in-law doesn't mean you got to use it. Doesn't I mean think you got to use it. Oh, yeah, it's a... Why wouldn't you? I, I don't poop outside of my house anymore. Where does the water source come from? The tank? No, no. It comes from the same water. It's the same water that comes out of the floor that feeds the tank. 
and you just screw it to screw. It's like so a it's little just, bypass valve. It's just tap water. Yeah, it's just tap. It's cold. It's cold tap water spraying in your ass. That'll wake you up. Yeah, but I mean, it's it does. Can you do it like a shot, like one of those like uh, designer shower heads where you can adjust it and have like the the like. The like, you know, the massaging spray and then the mist. And so then I bet the, you the could. Fan or like a garden hose where it's got like the jet sprayer. Dude, really they've got they've got all sorts of bidets. I got a cheap bidet because I didn't wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. And now, well, now I still have the cheap bidet because it works great still. You know, like. But geez. when that one breaks down, will you upgrade bidet? I'll probably upgrade to a toilet that has a bidet built into it, as opposed to uh, that. You like it that much? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That and I'm we've got to get one. we've got shitty little toilets, and I'm a big dude. Get those little, little baby rounds, you know. And I'm this exactly, dude. It's it's a magical experience. First time, <laughs> you've never felt so clean in your life, dude. I need that. Like I. <laughs> I've had yeah, because your ass is dirty. Well, it's not. It's not even just that my ass is dirty. It's because my ass is hairy, and the, the crack of my ass is the hairiest part of my body. And it's yeah. like, and look wiping is basically I like. Know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, so my ass crack looks like mouth my mouth crack. Like, exactly, it's the same thing. Yeah. So like, it's like trying to clean fucking peanut butter out of shag carpet with toilet paper. You know what I mean? Thick <laughs> shag carpet. Like the really, really thick industrial shag carpet. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly um, like that. So, now, you were showing me last night, because we went out to dinner for Logan's birthday last mm-hmm. night. I wish Logan was here, so we could we could kind of talk about that a little bit. But, so, uh, we went out for Logan's birthday last mm-hmm. night, and you were showing, and you've been posting lately, some of the pieces that you've been doing. Yeah, they're fun. And you've been doing these these bent over uh, bent backward girl yeah, little bangers. Bent, yeah, little bent back uh, girls where you know, one direction it's a wizard and you look at it the other way and it's a naked girl and the eyes are boobs. And, right, right, right. You know, it's fun. They're so, they're fun well, tattoos. You did the you did the Lemmy uh, you did the Lemmy uh, or the Motorhead Snaggle Snagglepuss one. Yeah, the the Wardog or the the, the, war, the Warthog, whatever they call. Yeah. What is it called? I th- I thought it was a Wardog. Is it the war, the Wardog? Yeah, that, the, the Motorhead like, logo. The Motorhead logo. Yeah, yeah one I, of those. I done that. as a bent yeah. back girl, as a like uh, bald bent back girl with which yeah. looks really cool. Yeah, it looks cool. It was a lot of fun. And then you then you did your wizard bent back girl wizard, and then I've got like four or five more set up. I'm doing how many tattoos Star have Wars you done characters. back since you since uh, you, a little over? I, I want to say I'm right about twenty. Uh, the first was terrifying. The second was less terrifying. The third was less terrifying. Do you think that you suffered more from the anticipation of tattooing yes. again than the actual process of tattooing yes. again? My hands get tired. So I haven't built up the strength in my hands uh, to go past maybe four hours. You know, what's, but, you know what I, I, I'm finding especially interesting is the fact that tattooing was not like a passion that you pursued. It's a vocation <laughs> that you fell into. And then after a decade of doing it, there was this real possibility of it being taken away from you yeah. and it became, you know, do you think that has increased your passion for tattooing? Do you think that yes. it has driven up the value of tattooing for you? Well, so if, if, if someone comes along and gives you an option to stop working, that sounds pretty all right, but I was always an artist. I always drew. You know, a little kid. My dad wouldn't let me play football. Because to be to be clear, you wouldn't you wouldn't have lost your 
your source of income because you still would have been an owner of the shops. Not 100%. But, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I don't make a lot from owning money. the shops. No, I, I have them have... set up to where, like, I don't have a lot of turnover because right. my guys, I want to take care of my, my guys. I, I, I like, I, I feel good that my guys can provide for their families. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I feel good that I create a, a, a healthy work environment that they don't have a looming boss counting their pennies. Right. And, you know, I put a lot of trust and faith in my, in, in the people that work for me. Um, more with me than for me, you know, like right, work alongside you. Yeah, um, I mean, we all get there together, and they've supported me over the past year and a half, two years struggle, um, and I appreciate the living hell out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't have done it without them. Now, granted, they're working in a shop and it's a business; it is what it is. But like, you know, at the same time, having you know my main income was my tattooing, you know, and to have that just stripped from you. Well, and you meant, and you meant, you know, and you were starting to mention, um, you know, that you've always drawn. Your dad wanted you to play football. No, my dad wouldn't let me play. Oh, football. Wouldn't let you play football. He was afraid I'd hurt my hands. Oh, because you were you were so into drawing, right? So, okay, so that makes sense. So, but like, the, it's it's like things that you're passionate about. Do you really want to do it for a living? Is it going to become mundane? Is it going to is is the the joy of drawing? for yourself going to become this thing where you despise the person that you're drawing for now. Right. You know, like I was always afraid, like I love to cook. I never wanted to be a chef, a chef because I love to cook. You didn't want the joy being sucked out of it by having right. to do it for a living. It's right. like if we had to tour 200 dates out of the year and you know, at what point is, is like this, I the success annoying. <laughs> yeah, there, there's yeah, a, yeah. a river, Bob Seger. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a certain amount of like, you know, joy that's stripped out of it. You know, now don't get me wrong. Like I don't, like I said earlier. Again, I go back to that that phrase. The sometimes we tattoo, uh, sometimes we make art, sometimes we make money, mm-hmm. sometimes we get to do both. Right. Um, there was a guy uh, told me that, and Ian McCown goes by Face or went by Face. I think he just goes by Ian now, but um, <laughs> his face is tattooed up here. It's yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of crazy. Oh. It's cool. It's cool, but it fits him. Um, but he said that to me, and it just like holy shit! Like it, it, it that that one little phrase just like oh my god! It, it changed. It changed the way I looked at tattooing. Yeah, it's not gonna be. It's not gonna so be ground, was, groundbreaking sudden, stuff every single day. It's, yeah, but you know, like. Uh, so I do a tribal back piece with barbed wire and, you know, a chrome dragon. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, you kidding me? You know, like the guy who <laughs> got that tattoo done to me right now is like going, hey, I like my tribal chrome dragon. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's like you do the you do the stuff that, that you don't necessarily, that you're not 100% like, oh, man. You know, like, this is going to be great. Like, I love doing my bent backs. But at the same time, if someone was to come in and wants a little infinity sign with a name on it, that tattoo is as important to her as that big sleeve I just did on that other dude. Right. I need to value that small tattoo as much as I value right. that. Because they're both important. Right. You know? It's a service position. Yeah, they're Absolutely. Both li- they're both lifelong images that are going to be on the... Uh, and you have, this, you have this background in fine dining, too. And that's, like, totally that Roger Verger shit. Of it's never about what you want. It's it's what the guest wants. You right. Know, it's what to you an extent. To an to extent. To an extent. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wreck someone by putting a garage sale on their arm. You know, like hey, a garage let's, sale, a yard sale, a garage sale. You know, like uh, 
little little Tiffany comes in and she just has all these. She's got uh, a folder. Okay, so when you watch, yeah, back up. <laughs> when you watch a lady walk, you know the hairstyle that I want to speak to a manager hairstyle. Oh yeah. You watch her walk in. She's got like a folder full of paper. And she opens it up, and it's, you know, Bryce and Courtney and uh, Jared and, you know, Devin and, you know, little Samantha. And she wants all the, all the little portraits and all the little flowers and all the little names. And she's got this whole design, and she wants it on her forearm. She wants their birth dates. She wants uh, their faces. She wants, you know, well, he's really into football, and he's really into softball. And this one really likes hockey, and she's into video games. I need to incorporate that all into this piece about the size okay, of my Okay, that's arm. a garage sale. That's a garage I, sale. I know exactly so it's what like you're talking about. 10 pounds of shit in a, in a fucking half-ounce bag. Right. You know, like... Right. You're going to make a mess. So I try and talk people into more realistic tattoos, but still give them what they want. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work... Doesn't work. Yeah, I'm not going to do the tattoo if it's if it's going to be a bad tattoo. All right. But I try to educate them and send them out the door with a with a healthy perspective. Either way, you right. Know? And if they don't want to listen, they don't want to listen. If they end up going getting that bag of poo by someone else, they get the bag of poo by someone else, and that's that's totally fine. I've I've done my best to put it out there to help them and make them, you know. They come in and they go, hey, Mr. Man, I just wanted to show you. (laughs) Yeah. Nice Uh, man down the street gave me exactly what I asked for. People have done that. Come back to show you that somebody did it. Someone, and I'm like, awesome. Oh, it looks great. I'm glad you got what you wanted. Right. Uh, Just screaming on the inside. Yeah, you're like, whoa. And, you know, you try your best not to say, and when you hate it, I will cover that for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like... That bad, huh? Sometimes, man. You'd be surprised. You would oh, be surprised. <laughs> There's some... He said it. So, okay, so we have we have kind of this this like ongoing joke about around the phrase "you'd be surprised," <laughs> which is like you don't know what my threshold for surprise is. You're just assuming that I'll be surprised by things. I've seen a lot of things in my life. Mm, who I'm the a fuck. Are you? You? Hey, I might you'd be, be surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd be amused. Oh, you'd be amused. Yeah. Maybe they've got a really dry sense of humor. Maybe they wouldn't be amused. Mm. 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 That's possible. Mm. No, I get it. I get where you're going with it. Yeah, I get it. I get so, it. Nonplussed. Yeah. <laughs> so so now so now that you're back at it and you're building up your strength again and and uh, you're you're feeling more and more optimistic about it. Yeah. Um what does it look like going forward for you? Well, um, I don't think because it is what it is, uh, I don't think I'll ever be tattooing 50 hours a week again. Um, but if I can tattoo full-time two days a week, mm-hmm. I'll be stoked. It gives me enough time to do shop stuff, run my errands, do my admin stuff, do the, the bookkeeping and the taxes and all the, all the crap that has to get done to make a business successful. And then still spend some time with friends and family and, mm-hmm. You know, like if is there if there's that balance and I can and I can tattoo and book myself out for at two days a week, you know, that's gonna put, you know, fun money back in our pockets, get us ahead on these medical bills that we got, you know, I mean the I don't know. I mean, it's just been a rough couple of years, and we got behind on the on the medical stuff. So, right, I mean, right. You know, I had which inches, will happen. Eight inches of my pooper, you know, taken out, and then you know, 
I, you know, I had uh, uh, the year before my hands, I had, a, I had eight inches of my colon removed. Jesus. Um, yeah, like I, I was falling apart when, when Tony was saying, like, Jenny's really been there for me. Jenny is really... Yeah, really been there for me. I was I was not doing well health wise. Holy cow! You know, like he's a good one, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, I <laughs> I don't deserve her. There are times when I, <coughs> I I'm I'm curious what what the hell I did to make this. Uh, you guys had an awesome wedding. I remember that dude, too. it was so much fun. Yeah. yeah, snuck in, you bastard. Oh yeah, I was snuck in the. Oh basement. yeah, that's right. I was hiding in the basement the whole time. You <laughs> snuck in. What do you mean you I snuck in? I didn't. You sneak know in. what he did? You he helped coordinate it. You were there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that wedding. That thing. Yeah, remember, remember the wedding where? You had, well, but yeah. that was the after party. It's funny right? how Melon remembers, remembers like the wedding. The wedding. <laughs> that's really strange. <laughs> no, I re- dude, I, I, so re- re- I remember. Yeah, that was pretty great. I lost my voice that moment. I was like, what the. <laughs> that was great. Oh yeah. So so when that was that was, that was just so, it was so much fun. We had a uh, we lost our venue the night before because that's fun, and then uh, the place that we ended up having our after party that we had planned, not a reception, as after much party. as an after yeah. party. After party's different than the, a reception. The, the show. The, yeah. The party. Uh, so we had the whole the whole thing there. And, oh, so you and did the actual ceremony there too? At, at yeah, Syntax. we did. The, yeah. See, I thought you guys just did. Yeah, the Jim Norris uh, married us. And, it. Yeah, it was it was great. Um, that dude, <sighs> big feels. Um, yeah, he's a good egg, man. Yeah, he is. Um, he officiated it. We had our uh, great. Oh my god, the catering was fucking ridiculous. We got yeah, the food was so good. Everything was just it was it was stupid how how great it was. Um, and then uh, we were gonna throw a party. <laughs> Rather than just have like a reception, I mean, we had tickets. You had to have tickets to get in the door. Mm-hmm. Like it was like a, a venue because that's what it was. Yeah, you know, um, we had planned for three bands and a fourth showed up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we th- y- man, that was fun. So we flew Tony. I think I think Logan Logan just was like, "Hey, what would you guys think if we flew Tony in? Didn't tell anybody." And we did a set as a surprise for Melon and Jetty's wedding. And we, dude, we were so good at keeping it under wraps. I know. You, it, it, I had no idea. I, uh, that was great. It, it, I, I was a little bummed because I wasn't able to hang out for the wedding nearly as much as everybody else. No, was. you weren't able to hang out I for had, anything. I had to hang out in the dark corner in the basement for I like know. hours. We had Dude. to keep you hidden. And we my had, wife was down there for some of that, and you were like I, trying I, to hide from her in the basement. This, she was this close to catching me. Yeah, yeah. That, like, like, I remember somebody yelling her name so she didn't walk like a certain distance because I was like around this corner, you know, kind of hidden out. Hey, Jenny. <laughs> she turns around and like they just start talking and I see so I can't remember which one of you guys it was but just looking at me with the side eye like trying not to look at me but to make sure <laughs> I that do remember that she was going down the hallway yeah 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 no and, Very and close call. I I was surprised at your surprise because we can't keep a secret to save our fucking lives you know what I mean and then to like come out. Well, on, I thought you. The first time you saw us was when we came out on stage, right? Well, no, because you guys were. All we, I mean, we were there to hang yeah. out, but, but the I, first time you saw us come out with Tony to play was yeah. like when we walked out on stage. Yeah, and right? then like I actually thought for a second that 
there was beef between Logan and Yako on stage. Oh, that was Because he does the little, yeah. the little stage, like, no, man, yeah. Yako goes, what, do you think you can do it better than us? And, like, Logan's like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I was like. You actually, you bought that part, I was like, too? The, I was like, like, oh, shit, is Logan fucking <laughs> wasted? What's going on? Oh, my God. I didn't think it would be him. Uh, yeah, like, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. What's going on? And all of a sudden, everyone, like, you guys yeah. just all come up, and Tony comes up behind him. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, okay, okay. Okay, okay, I get it, I get it. That was a fun night. Yeah, I remember looking out and you just went, what the fuck? What the fucking fucking fuck? There's very few people that you see get together and get married and you are so happy for them and know it's going to be a great thing. No, it's the perfect. And you guys are like one of the... A small handful, like less than a handful yeah. that I've seen. It's like those those weddings that you go... Yeah. You you go to those weddings and you go, "Mm mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. This this that, is this good. That marriage is that a makes thing me that works. feel good to see that that's happening in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a great day. It was, it was a great a day. Uh, hey, uh, do you do you guys want to take a quick break? I think we should. And, and we um, get back. And we'll come back. Bit. We'll uh, we'll get into the second half of the show. And uh, and we got a questionnaire for you to fill out. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, we're gonna take I'm a quick break. I, right, t- I test well. And we're back. Whoa! <laughs> Remember, I am hungover. This yeah. Is- so speaking of which, we went out for uh, we went out for Logan's birthday last night. Yeah. And like, I was only there. So okay, I did eat the head off a gummy bear before I went into mm-hmm. dinner. But really, that's as hard as I partied all night. Yeah. So we went and we had dinner. It was very nice. We had lots of laughs. We talked about the stuff. This was crazy. Yeah. yeah. It, what do you want? It's on the menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we had lots, go? We talked like old people. I remember the name. Oh, of uh, Bertha's uh, Baja Bertha's Bistro. Bob, yeah. Which it was good. All right. It yeah, was good. The, the food was surprisingly good. Yeah, it was really good. And Mrs. Doubtfire was on in the other room, so that yeah. was cool. And the Oscars were on. Okay. And, you know, speaking of award-winning film, you know, I almost felt like Mrs. Doubtfire on in the other room should have won the Oscars that were going on live while we were in there. <laughs> it should have won an Oscar, won an Oscar just for best movie on TV right now at this moment. Um, but yeah, so we went, we went and had dinner. Uh, you and me and Jenny and Logan and Becky. Did you and see the size of the shots Janelle they poured Weston. for us there? Yeah, they were gigantic. Oh, here, here's a, you. You want a whiskey rocks? Let's just take the the rocks and. Everything out of that, and just uh, just fill up the glass anyway. Yeah, I don't think they knew. Like, wow, I don't think they had like a bartender. Bartender, I think it's just like you can always tell when it's a, it's either a bartender who who's never bartended before, so he's pouring house drinks. Right, right, right. I love those bartenders. Yeah, the mom and pop places where it's like I don't know what do you just you pour it in the glass and give them give them a decent amount. I don't know how much are we supposed to give them. Yeah, they don't they don't have the 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 speed pours on the top, so they're doing a three count with nothing on the top. They're going bloop 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 bloop, and all of a sudden it's like nobody ever drinks this stuff. I don't know six ounces of whiskey for a, a a shot, and you're just looking at it like. That's how the night's gonna be. So, so we we did that. We went to we went to the Owl. Which speaking of which, speaking of yeah. East Colfax <laughs> being developed, uh, the Owl has taken over the old Ram Lounge. And I don't know if did you ever go to the Ram Lounge when it was there? 
I'll just say it wasn't my uh, kind of place, dude. So, <laughs> you know, you know Matt Eswine. Uh, he's a he's an artist. He was. Uh, I think he's primarily based out of L.A., but he'll come out here and do some guest spots in town, like right. the tattoo guy. He did he did the piece on the back of my leg, the the pussy panther that I have on the back of my leg. Right. Um, he was doing that tattoo on me, and this is like my only memory of the Ram Lounge is. Uh, we were taking a break from tattooing and I smoked at the time and I needed to get a lighter to light my cigarette because nobody had one. And so I went into the Ram Lounge to see if they had like a book of matches or something or if anybody there had a lighter. And I opened up the back door of this place and you can just see the beam of light from the door cut through the otherwise pitch black yeah, of this room, that's a good bar, and it was like it was like a smoking bar too. Oh, you know, like yeah. whether whether it, they, it was legal or not is you know totally debatable. Yeah, but it's beside the point. But but you just see like the thick cut of smoke and just like all these like grizzled East Colfax gnarly bar oh, flies yeah. just like close the fucking door, just you know. <laughs> You go in, of course, that nobody You're letting had, all the sadness out. Yeah. Well, and... We can't uh, handle your happy sunlight. Well, but that's the thing. is old bar flies flock to youth like moths to a flame, man. Once you get in there and they realize you're not a threat, like you're not the police or you're not like their husband or wife or whatever coming yeah. to collect them, then they want to gather around you and they want to talk to you. One and, of us. And breathe their gin yes, breath on us. you. Yeah. Dude, I, I had a... Uh, this bar called the College Inn. Yeah. Not here. Different College Inn. In uh, Glasgow. Oh. So, Jenny and I were on our, like... Oh, in Glasgow. Uh, no, it was a delayed honeymoon thing, so we're right, out right. there. Um, and I, I made a point of wanting to go into every old man bar I saw. Right. And we went into this little bar, and a Glaswegian accent is one of the craziest things you've ever heard in your fucking life. What's a Glaswegian accent? I don't know how to describe it other than like, Jesus fucking Christ, are you actually speaking ling- English right now? So what is that? Is is it like Norwegian in Glasgow? Well, Glasgow, like they, they call themselves Glaswegians if you're from Glasgow. Like if you're from, you know, Scotland, you're Scottish. From that town in particular, instead of Denverite. Oh, it's a Glaswegian? They're, gl- they're Glaswegian. So, uh, but the accent is just like, if you, you've, you've watched the movie where they bring in the random Scottish guy and he's speaking and everyone's just kind of like, what the fuck? It's, it's, that it's guy, like that the, guy's probably from Glasgow. It's like uh, the Pikers like, on... Um, yes, on, yes, very on, much so. What is that, Snatch? Snatch. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, yeah. You like eggs? You like eggs? Yeah. So we go into this little bar and first off, Everything is super fucking cheap over there. Like in Glasgow, really? So in Scotland in general, we right. found everything to be very very price. I mean, at the, the time we went, I want to say the dollar to the pound was like normally it's like 2 to 1. Right. And it was like 1.2. Oh wow. So we went over and it was like uh yeah, it's 5 pounds for a pint of beer and a shot of whiskey. Holy shit. Well, it's a dram, so it's like a smaller shot than we would and they don't shoot them; they sip on it. Right. We noticed so, that in Germany too. Yeah, they don't. They don't do shots. They they sip on hard liquor and then they ugh, with the beer. Right, right, right. But I mean, you get a proper pint, like a twenty ounce, like a royal pint, for the equivalent of like six bucks. And I'm like, what the shit is this? So I go in and, and we sit down, and this there's this little old dude, David. Okay, 
He introduces himself, and that's a, that's the first thing I hear. The guy sitting next to him starts talking, and you could tell he's had like maybe tongue or throat surgery. So take a glass Ouija accent and then like, add like a handicap to it. And it like his just, like his tongue is destroyed and doesn't work properly. Oh my dear God! These guys were trying to talk to us, and like even even the guy sitting next to him, who's from Glasgow, was looking at him, going, "What? What? 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 What?" <laughs> you know, I just, I just, just imagine like, you and Jenny's face, and we're just like, "This is great," and they're like. I'm like, can I buy you guys a drink? And he's like, no, because I can't afford to buy you one. Right, no. And I was like, that's that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just enjoying. He's like, no, no, no. It, it'd be improper. I can't. Don't. Please don't. And I was like. Ugh. Yeah, that's an interesting cultural I was like, thing. How, yeah. how about I'm going to do it anyway and you don't have to buy me a drink. I just, I, I really just want to sit and enjoy your company. You guys are awesome. So we do that. And then sure shit, Dave goes up to the bar. David. All right. Gets us a couple more pints, and he's just, he's like, so you's come all the way from America to come and sit and drink here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're just like, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Yeah, I took, how folksy. Yeah, like, I wanted to take photos of the people in the bar, because, <laughs> I, like, I was the youngest by, like, 25, 30 years. Old man bars are the best. Oh, it was amazing. No matter where you go in the world. Yeah. The old man bars are the best. Yeah. The cool bars suck because the people look at you like, like, what's this guy doing here? Like, this guy doesn't belong. Or like, like, yeah, yeah, the, the folded arms and the sneer and the like, the like, like, I would say the half frown, but it's really like there's a regular frown on one side and then a deeper frown on the other side. It's just that contemptuous fucking sneer that you get at, like, cool hip. Totally, you're doing it right now. Yeah, I'm good at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the scowl. I drink on Colfax long yeah. enough to pull that look yeah. off. Just that, just that scowl. Who the fuck are you? Why are you in my bar? Do, but, you, know, do you know that that is an involuntary response to contempt? Mm-hmm. Like... Like there, there are very few. There are a handful of like pantomimes and tells that people have when they're they're having a certain internal experience, and that half frown is like an unmaskable sign of contempt. Yeah. Like when you're talking to someone and they start doing that, it's like in your head right now you're thinking, "What a fuck face, huh?" Yeah. Or or thinking of the person in the story that I'm telling you about is a fuck face. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, it was it was great. We we went on to all these little bars. We made friends, like legit friends. Yeah, I got a, I met a guy named Martin Forey. He is straight up said, "Next time you guys come out, bring pillows. Staying with us." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he made sure to say, "Bring pillows." I was like, <laughs> "We normally sleep on bags of peat that we get out of the garden." Yeah, I don't, I don't know what why that was a thing, but you know, like it, it's it's it's. It was it was great. Um, I keep in touch with people on Facebook. We we went out and the whole Yugen thing. There was a party called Coots and Kilts. Cool. We didn't plan it around that, but it just happened. It happened to be going on at the same time. Oh my god, it was amazing. It <laughs> what was, was it? Absolutely, it was. Uh, it was the second annual Coots and Kilts party, and uh, it was. I mean, I could bring up photos, but, I mean, it's not going to do anything for the people listening. But um, it was a, a gathering of maybe 40, 50, 60. Just people from people all over from Scotland? all over Scotland. The U.K.? The, the U.K. and Europe. No no Americans, except for you guys? We were the Americans. Ah. Yeah, and we kind of crashed the party, but it was like we got you shown guys, you around. Guys and people like, to represent the whole country. For yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, for the great. Turbo Union, yeah. 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 it was it was great. Um, there are a lot of people from the the United States Turbo Union that I would probably cringe at the thought of representing. <laughs> like, our, our, no, no, don't send not, them, not them. Yeah, but um, I mean, 
you've heard of Duncan McKinley, right? Like in the Turbin, well, Turbo Ugand, like he's one of the ambassadors. Like Duncan McKinley mm-hmm. is this like uh, late fifties Bihawk sporting crazy dude who does Turbo Ugand Aberdeen, which is like yeah, 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 yeah. He's I'm familiar super, with Turbo Ugand Aberdeen. For super sure. great dude. Super great dude. Got to meet him. Amazing, amazing guy. Yep. Um, met this dude, Graham Carruthers, who wanted to talk football with me because he's a Raiders fan and he really wanted to talk about. And he never gets to talk about America. Yeah, and he's like, and you're from Denver. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, of course it's. You <laughs> of know, course like, oh, it's a what's up, Hollywood. Hey. Oh, hey. <laughs> Logan's here. Get your ass in here, buddy. We're, uh, we're talking about stuff. Talking about stuff. Let me see if I can pull. Uh, but like, so I, I know Melon is hungover. How no, hungover are you? I'll, I'll, I'm great. You feel great? Uh, I, I feel wait, fantastic. Wait, I feel like you're lying to me, Highlander. Well, I take the glasses off. You'll see the eyes. Oh like, yeah, he's hungover. I, I've also <laughs> had in front of the castle. So. I've also had two uh, old fashions today, so <laughs> I can hear it. That's bam, awesome. Bam, bam, sloshing around <laughs> in there. You could you could feel the. Uh, you can you can hear the boiler roaring in your belly. Well, you, you guys already been talking shit about how, <laughs> uh, <laughs> how drunk I got. No, no, no. We we just started we just started tapping into we just started tapping into your uh, your birthday party. Hi, Gordo. I, Hi, how are you? Because I you, uh, I left you guys at the Owl. Like by the t- okay, by the time Tony and I left, we had just been playing bar games and we're watching '90s videos, and you guys were just starting to get drinks in you. But from what I understand, after me and Tony left, like the real drinking started. But yeah, what? Well, yeah, that's <laughs> we how don't want to make goes. you uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So what happened? What did you guys do? What'd you get into? Uh, we we got into shots and we got into gambling. And uh, what kind of gambling did you dice. do? Dice, yeah. Just oh, you guys had to buy and ship uh, the, the five dice at the gas yeah, station. Yeah, the we, yeah, we, yeah. We, we drove down uh, 14th, and Melon ran into Walgreens. And I was like, oh, all, all I want is dice, you know? And Melon ran in there like a, like a child. Yeah, I, 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 ran, <laughs> I ran like awkwardly drunk on purpose, just run in. And, <laughs> and he bought a bunch of dice, and we went to streets, and... You know, dice. Roll, rolled yeah. dice. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you have a fun birthday? No. 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 It was the opposite of fun. Yeah. It was the worst birthday I've ever had. Yeah. This is the worst part about it, honestly. He's <laughs> <laughs> coming to meet up Talking with us. Talking about it. And yeah. Putting it under a microscope. It's like, oh, yeah, well, let's just examine our fun and yeah, see if it qualifies. Yeah, <laughs> So you went to an amusement park yesterday. Well, tell us exactly what you did at the amusement park. What was your favorite roller coaster? Why? What specifically about it was so great? Doesn't sound great to me. Hey. Hi. So, uh, Logan, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, shit. So Logan is our new official meme curator. Logan, Logan is the official yeah. meme yeah. curator of motherfucking ruckus. Yeah. Like, the MF now stands for Meme Factory. <laughs> meme Factory Ruckus. Dude. So, okay. Logan posted oh. one meme. 
Uh, now, now keep in mind, Aaron I post, is so I'm, upset about. This. I know I'm. I'm not upset. Actually, Logan, I'm not upset about it. It uh-huh. it, it gave me. Uh-huh. No, I'm not upset about it. I'm actually really relieved by the whole thing, and I'll tell you why. So, so I do every every Monday. We put out a video. We do this podcast. We we you know try to stay active on photographs and putting music out and doing all these things. Logan put one, one meme that had that it said up at the top it says real men do not hit you up late at night asking for photos of your nude body real men slam their fist on desks demanding photos of spider-man and it's jj jameson from spider-man banging on his desk that post as of right now, 475 shares. It has 475 shares. I looked at the analytics. It has reached over 60,000 people. It is the most engaging piece of content we have ever put on <laughs> the internet. Not our not just our not just Facebook, but on Facebook, our website, like anything. It is the most engaging piece of content we have ever had in our entire career in music on social media. God, you guys must suck as a band. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> well no, like, a fucking Spider-Man. But, but that, that was kind of the thing that I realized. Hey, Spider-Man's is, cool, man. Well it is it's awesome <laughs> and it's hilarious. And more importantly it's the way that the platform is designed to work like it, i i i hear a lot of you know i'm I, I subscribe to a lot of band groups and there's a lot of people who are on those groups just like talking about like man i post something and like nobody likes it and nobody cares about my band and nobody cares about my music and no one cares about anything that i'm doing and like I've just uh, yeah, well, I mean, you hear a lot of people like, "What am I doing wrong? Is it that I suck? Is it I'm awful?" It's just like, well, maybe that might be the case. That's probably. The but case. what's what's more the case is that the way that that platform is designed is to fucking share around funny pictures and shit right. like that. And if you're lucky, yeah, it'll transfer over to something else. It'll convert into something else. Similar, very similar. Okay. Going back to the tattoo world for just for a sec. Right, no, it, for sure. It's very important. You know, That's kind of why we wanted to bring you on the show, just right. to talk about it. There was a tattooer that I, I followed, I'll say with a D. Is this the guy right. you were showing me last night? No, different guy. Different guy. Okay, so this guy um, comes on onto Facebook and w- one of his random posts, because I, you know, I scroll and I like stuff. If the tattoo is good, I like it, and if I don't. At this point, like, you look at so many fucking things of the same thing, and I find myself not liking every single thing anymore. Even if it's a friend, I just kind of sometimes scroll. You scroll through, yeah. Because it's like, Jesus Christ, didn't you just do the same fucking yeah. thing like you, last you, week? You, you know? don't like, want to be that guy that's just like, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, you know, exactly. liking so, everything. And there's so much stuff all at once. This guy posts, I have 4,000 Facebook followers, and my last three posts only got 100 likes. That means I've got 3,900 haters, and... People who were dragging me down. And he started, like, bitching in his really? open forum about how everybody sucks. Is against And him. they can all suck it. And, like, there's, you people are nice. spying on me. You're, you know, just going down this really weird. And I was like, I just typed a message. Hey, man, it's the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. You got to talk to people. You can't just post it and hope for likes. You got to, like, engage your it's clients. It's the algorithm. And every time it's, so there's this algorithm backside of it that like, all right, so someone commented. If you don't say anything back to them, this is what happens. Nothing. 
you do say something back to them, there's like a minor reset. And now it's trying to re-engage the people who had seen it before. Because now there's a new comment. Right. And now once you start engaging and tagging those people, all of a sudden it it, it gets right. bigger and hits more people. Because then what will happen is their friends will see that someone is engaged with them on this photo. Right. That maybe they hadn't seen before. Because it basically trims down what you're looking for to, like, the people that they think are the 100 that you want to, 150 you want to look at. Right. It was... So that's, I mean, but this guy just goes off, and I'm just like, I'm trying to let him know, I'm like... The sad thing oh, is... Don't, don't, do I don't get the attention, though. The you sad thing is... exploding, and your friend, you had 4,000, it's probably going... The sad thing is, is that what that guy is saying is almost certainly a feeling that many yeah. people have had at, at one point. Yeah. I have had the thought before where I'm like, people hate my band, or hate me as a person, or don't like the stuff that I do, well, or but don't yeah. have don't have the heart to tell me that it sucks. They, don't they, have the heart to tell me that they, they don't care. They about. definitely do. Yeah. Well, no, Aaron. <laughs> this is what we're telling you explicitly that yeah. that's exactly yeah. why that happens. It has we're nothing trying to be to nice do. about it. But it has not, that's actually this entire podcast has been leading up to this <laughs> intervention of telling you how everything that you create is complete and total garbage. Um, no, but I mean, you have those thoughts. You have yeah. those thoughts, and you you. You go, you go, why is this happening? What am I doing wrong? Why aren't people noticing? You cannot, you couldn't possibly get every single person in your friends or any every single page that you follow in your feed at any given time. No, was, Even when you're going through and scrolling. Way. Oh, yeah, it used to be that way. It used to be by time. Right. Like, when was the last post? And then you have to scroll backward through 3,000 right. people yeah. to find that post that came up two hours ago that, that you want to look at something. And that's I, they did it because that was a thing. You'd miss something. And that's, I mean... <laughs> but I, at the same I, time, they kind of ruined it by doing it. Well, and it's ad revenue-driven right. now. And, and yeah, it's pay-to-play now. Right, right. So right. there's a lot of, like in the tattoo business, there's a lot of tattooers that are like, look, I'm successful. I'm busy. Why does it matter if I have 150,000 followers anymore? It doesn't. I'm dropping off of social media. Fuck it. All right. There's a lot of people just saying, fuck it. We've They're talked about it. They're over it. We've because talked about really, it. Really, what does it do? You, you spend all this time and effort trying to get your your followers up when you're booked out for three months anyway, like for, as a tattooer. Like, what, is, what does it matter if I have 380 likes on something if none of those people are coming into the shop? That is definitely a place where it, where it splits from music, music to, yeah. to, to art for sure. And, and not that the tattoo business isn't oversaturated because it is. Oh, it fucking is. But the me. music business, <laughs> I would argue, is oversaturated by a factor of five. There's probably, you know... Uh, there, there are millions upon of bands in the world. It's a are, no man's land. It is a no man's land, and it's no a level. Land. It's a level playing field. <laughs> is that somewhere in Norway? <laughs> ah, my family hails from no man's land. No man's land. Um, but so when I when I saw this data, when I saw these data analytics from where basically this one meme that Logan had posted was uh, outperforming everything. 
They right. outperforming everything by by a huge margin. I posted a screen cap of just those analytics on the Colorado um, musicians page, and I was like, "The next time you're beating yourself up thinking that nobody cares about what you do, just remember that this is the way that this platform is designed to work. Yeah. Like, it's it's not that people don't care; it's that they're legitimately not seeing your shit, mm-hmm. you know, because it is not getting." People are not using, the people are consuming content a certain way on these platforms. Right. And advertisers are, are scientifically learning how to game the system and make yeah. it work. My, my, I, have, I have streamlined my Facebook feed to find me the funniest cat and dog videos, tattoo memes, stuff about my, my circle, my close circle. Right. And a couple bands I like. Right. Like we, outside we, of that, like I have un, I have unfollowed and trimmed and you know like gotten it down like to where we, I've only got to scroll for like less than ninety seconds right. to find something that's going to make make me laugh for the day, right? You know, because that's what I want out of Facebook. I don't care about the business side of it. No, that's no. me at this point. Yeah, no, we and we put we put a ton of stuff out, and we really only use Facebook to alert the people who are most engaged with us that that stuff has come out. Right. Yeah. But I think everybody's primary focus. Ought to be make a bunch of cool shit. Yeah. Make cool shit and fucking make it of the highest quality and get in front of people <laughs> and write songs and have fun yeah. doing things with your friends and stop worrying so much about fucking likes and shares. Now, that being said, there was a noticeable um, there was a noticeable conversion from all those people seeing just that meme. Yeah. So like people that it did bring people to our page. Mm-hmm. It did bring people to our website. A very small amount of people, but there was a notable like analyt like the the analytics on our website showed a spike in yep. the number of people that were there. It's going to happen. Yeah. So so Way to I, go Logan. No. Yeah. It was I, I, I thought something was funny. You created <laughs> so, that, right? Sorry. No, he didn't create no, it. Hell no. Yes, you did. Oh, yeah, yeah he created yeah. it. That was an MF Ruckus original. Well, there, there, is a whole, <laughs> there is a whole world of people who are uh, taking credit, like, Taking credit for other people's memes, like you hear in like the comedy world about people stealing jokes. Like there's oh, Mencia. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, there's Mencia. there's beef. There's beef like that guy, uh, the fat Jew. Do you guys know who the fat Jew is? He's like an Instagram the, the, celebrity. The fat Jewish. Well, he goes by the fat Jew too. Yeah, the fat Jewish, the fat Jew. He's right. called a lot of things. Anti-Semitic. Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, if, if it's a name you gave yourself, yeah, I think pretty sure he's the the, the, the Jewish fun. guy. The best gave part own. about it, is, yeah, it yeah. Is, it's well, they're no, they're funny. When they're funny, they're fun. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So, so that wasn't good. No, it was okay. I mean, it was a stretcher joke. Okay. You got to stretch for the big game, <laughs> you know. Um, but the fat, the fat Jewish, he got in trouble for uh, for basically claiming memes. Like claiming that he created memes himself, like yeah. like other people had created them and he had taken them and kind of rebranded them and presented them as though he were they were his yeah, own like, instead of making attributions to the people who created it. Yeah. So he took do, a lot of shit. Do for people that. like where's the credit claim at for all these memes? Like I wouldn't I know. know sometimes it's a tag at the bottom of the photo. Sometimes people just don't give a shit. You know that let's do something funny and put it on the internet. I did a few for. Uh, 
I, I'm really into Game of Thrones, and there was uh, I can't remember their names now, but the the big redheaded barbarian dude and uh, the the big the big super tall armored chick, and like everyone wants them to get together because there's like he's like so in love, and she's like oh, and oh, it, yeah. so I I. I did all these like I took 50 first dates and pulled their faces off when Harry met Sally and I switched all their faces off and like did you know the one from Ghost and you know it's just it's stupid <laughs> but, but it's it funny. made my fucking day and I did it for like a week and I made like 10 of them and it was just like hilarious and then I saw that other people were doing it too it wasn't just me and I was like ah that's fine. I like what you do with that one was <laughs> you know like sometimes it's just you do it because it's funny and you want to well, get a laugh I don't think there's really like are there people who are getting famous off of memes like is there or is that just like kind of open oh, source? Logan is, is well, that, yeah, yeah. well, is that just open source Apparently comedy? I am is that pretty much all it well, is? I, I think it is. There's there's a, a guy that uh, I follow on the internet. The guy I was telling you about. Uh, yeah, I mean he makes his own stuff. Yeah, yeah. But and if you saw I, it get I, shared, you wouldn't necessarily might, see where it came from. Yeah, yeah. No, you might know that it's Monday Malarkey. It is what it is. Uh, but that dude is. I mean, he's killing it. Like, yeah, you were showing me that guy is oh, like making a living hilarious. off of. He's making a living off. Of I mean, he Instagram. makes a living off tattooing. He slays the tattoo game, and somehow because still of has, his Instagram presence. No, 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 no. He slays the tattoo game because he's then, a good tattooer. And he just wrote some stuff down <laughs> once, and then posted it, and people laughed their asses off. And all of a sudden, like, same thing. His tattoos got hundred likes. Right. This one meme was shared. A billion fucking times and, you know, got a ton of likes and all of a sudden he's like, maybe this is a thing and he just ran with it. Well, they're quick content too. Yeah. Like you read, you read a funny meme and it makes you laugh really hard. You immediately like that. You immediately share it over to someone like you, you put, you're like, I got to show so-and-so this. You tag so-and-so's name in it. Yeah. You know, it's really quick content. Like that Spider-Man meme, the joke, it takes less than five seconds to read it and it makes you fucking crack up. Yeah. And then immediately, boom, 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 boom. It's just, it, yeah. you put up a song or something like that, and it's like people can go, eh, yeah, I mean. Yeah. M- moral of the story, fuck Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what do you guys think? Should we? Uh, you got to do the sponsors first. Oh, yeah. We got to give a shout out to our sponsors real quick. Uh, first of all, Matula Plumbing. Matula! This Plains, Illinois. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. Master of poopers, Jerry Matula himself. He'll wear the booties for you. Angie's List. Super Service Award winner back in 2011. Goddamn right. Goddamn right. And Angie's List don't fuck around. I've used them. If you uh, if you need your shit pushed in, let's go see our buddy Jerry Matula. Mutiny Information Cafe, the motherfucking podcast is of course a mutiny transmission, which is a media service division of Mutiny Information Mutiny Information Cafe, Two South Broadway, Denver, Colorado. Music, books, comics, coffee, live events, uh, all kinds of ill shit. Yeah, a cultural um, incubator of sorts. You're, you're down. You're bound to Damn. see some shit. Go down at Mutiny Information Cafe. Go stop on by. Tell Matt and Jim the boy sent you. Oh, you jerk. The Nug Nation Studio. <laughs> what? What did I do? Keep going. The Nug Nation Studios <laughs> here in beautiful Denver, Colorado. You can go to thenugnation.com and see the Nugs and all their wacky, zany adventures as they they try to make a living in, in the town of Nugville, Colorado. 
Ounce for Ounce, the best homegrown comedy in years. TheNugNation.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Evergroove Studio. The most beautiful state-of-the-art video or audio and video recording studio located in the Shadow Mountain region. And it just sounds badass to like go to Shadow Mountain to record an album. Solar powered. Solar powered. Um, and just some of the most helpful, beautiful, uh, production-minded staff in the world up there. We love Evergroove Studio. If we can help it, we will never record anywhere else. Go see Brad and Jenny about your next project and tell them the boys sent you. Flipside Music, boutique style equipment and guitar shop down a kind of hidden away. It's a little little best kept secret, but but the people who go there know that Ike's got the dopest shit in town. Uh, amps, guitars, pedals, all other kinds of cool shit. Flipside Music, all the stuff you want, none of the stuff you don't. Fuck the big box stores. Go get the real shit at Flipside Music. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios. The uh, official practice spot of motherfucking Ruckus and uh, about a zillion other bands in town. Great affordable rates, fully equipped rehearsal studios. Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit. That should be the motto right there. there And of course, all the brave souls who back us on Patreon via a uh, monthly contribution at patreon.com slash NFRuckus. Man, you guys, uh, you keep the lights on. You keep this thing afloat. Allow us to do our thing. And uh, man, we appreciate it so much. Hope you enjoyed the comic books that you got in the mail. Uh, I met up with Jake Fairley a couple days ago and he showed me some of the pages from the new book that we're working on. And it's going to be even better than this last one. The, The motion comic should be coming out soon. Oh, by the way, um, what our uh, new animator quit. We got a new yes, animator, yes. and this he is, quit after great. animating one page. Now I have oh. to say that he was very polite, but I found and, and, that and he, and he, he was, was very talented. Polite. He he did a good job. He did a great job. We saw, but uh, so he animated the first page. I found him on Fiverr.com, and he animated the first page of the motion comic. And uh, then I hit him up. I'm like, hey, just wanted to see where I should send the money to pay you for the rest of the book that you're going to do and blah, blah, blah. Like we had this great rapport, great talk, whatever. He finally sends me an email back and he's like, he's like, I can't work on your project. And I'll tell you why. And he just puts a screenshot of a page and circles a scene where a priest is being choked with a garret wire and okay. both the times we mentioned the name of Jake's band, Hail Satan, okay. he circled both of them and he's Those like... Those are awful. He's like, <laughs> I'm into the church, I'm into Jesus, I'm into God, the whole thing. I, he's like, you seem like a nice enough guy and, uh, you know, I wish you no ill will, but I, I, can't, yeah. I can't participate in but this. He, he was Sorry. Very, he was, very he was super professional. Super polite, but it's So what like, you're saying is you're looking for a new guy. Well, we found a new animator. <laughs> oh, good, good. We good. did find a new animator. Um, it's it's looking like it's going to turn out great. It's going to be a very cool thing. But just, man, this project has hit more stalls than, than Logan on a Friday night looking for a date. More stalls. Whoa. Hitting more stalls. You know more what I mean? Stalls. Oh, more dude, stalls. Dude. 
balls. Did you uh, get that off of a fucking popsicle? popsicle I did. Uh, You're recycling oh, your jokes okay. now. No, you know, no, no th- th- that means it's just terrible. Like, well, like, like the popsicle stick joke. No, I, I, I think the popsicle <laughs> stick joke is great. No, the popsicle stick joke is pretty good. Did you get that off some uh, some double bubble? Did you get it off some bazooka Joe there? Well, thanks to the patrons. Yeah, thanks to the patrons for backing us. Man. Yeah, thanks Jesus. Laffy taffy for uh, you know. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus shows up a lot with this band. And I just like to say Jesus. that I think that Jesus is cool with us. I mean, we wrote a fucking song about the I guy. Nothing against the guy. No, yeah. I think he, he seems all right to That's me. The only reason I but, work with you guys is because Jesus is cool with you guys. <laughs> what did he tell you then? Personally, yeah. Because he won't return my phone calls. Well, he emailed me. Like I, I know he's a busy guy, but like he he won't return my calls, won't return my emails. I've been trying to get can him I, on the show for a long time. Can I, can I get that email from you, or is that something? You're so like, many people are trying to get it. Absolutely. Okay. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> I met someone else who was like, you know, I'm just not comfortable. Uh, uh, I'm glad you're... We unsubscribe built that from... <laughs> well, hey, uh, Melon, thanks for coming on the show and talking with us, man. Yeah, it's, man. It's yeah. really been a lot of fun. Can I shake your hand? Like, is that safe? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I can actually high five now again. Oh, very cool, man. I'm going to give yeah. you a hug later. Okay, uh, cool. I'll take it. I got this idea for a tattoo that I really want you to do. Uh, okay. It's like a three-headed bull. Right? And like one of the heads has like a thermometer in its mouth. And one of the heads like has a, a hot water bag on it. Popsicle stick. And another one of the bags or another one of the heads is like throwing up in a bucket. You know what I mean? And I want to call it, check this out. I want to call it my sick tribal. Good, good, good. You're gonna want to go to a different shop. Yeah, I, I, I got a guy. I've got an apprentice who might do it for you. Yeah. I can get that drawn up for you. Take okay. a deposit. And, we can, uh, we can send you somewhere on East Colfax for that. East East Colfax. <laughs> yeah, way East Colfax. Way Nebraska East. Colfax. Yeah, exactly. It's actually a guy's apartment yeah. in 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 Ogallala, Nebraska. Well, well, guys, it's been Mel- a fun Mel- episode. You, you got the homies pick for the day, the one for the homies, and uh, Melon picked uh, Amigo of the Devil, which is Amigo of the Devil. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah. So, guys, th- thanks for. Uh, oh yeah, right. tell, tell us tell us about Amigo the Devil, real quick. Uh, Amigo the Devil is a it's it's a great dude named Danny. Uh, he is just it's kind of dark serial killer kind of folky country stuff. And yeah, what's the name of the, the really Dahmer like song it. he's got? Uh, well, he's got Dahmer Goes to Hollywood. That's the um, he's got Hell and You. That's my personal favorite. That's, that's the one we're going to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's my personal fave. Uh, he's got a uh, new song, new album, uh, Cocaine and Abel. Uh, he's performing. Cocaine and Abel. That's right? great. He's uh, performing uh, with Itchio up at the Stanley on the 29th. Man, I, I think it's the show. 29th next month. 29th of next month? Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, dude, my kid is going to be born yeah. that day. Otherwise, I would like to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, it's it's going to be a. It's gonna be a hoot yeah man I, i'm so glad they're doing shows at the stanley hotel now that is fucking have you ever been there before the stanley i've been to the stanley i've never it's I amazing know they had a venue jenny was telling me last night she's gonna go see that itchio show because of what i was telling her about yeah. the show at the oriental yep absolutely cool I, take yeah. drugs and then we talked about <laughs> mushrooms yeah. we did talk take, about take mushrooms. Drugs. we're gonna have to take drugs soon and talk about it yeah 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 okay well in the meantime well hey we got to get to band practice, so thanks, Melon, for coming on the show. Yeah. This week, we're going to close out the show with uh, with Amigo the Devil. Thank you very m- much, guys, for listening to the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Tony. Uh, I'm Logan. Late Logan. <laughs>
And then we got Melon up in the studio. All right, Melon. Gordo back in the booth. I'm Giordano. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye. in the girl before but I want to be where all the stupid shit I say sounds so romantic and true cause I'd rot in hell with you if you just asked me to I love the shitty things we do together live with me in this scene forever hell and you I know you Say you take the shot, see this chance, feel the fire, let me have this dance with you. Well, we take things a little far, but you couldn't name a place I wouldn't go with you. A plane, a train, a car I'd run. If I was dead, I'd float, I'd crawl in bed with you. Leaving on someone else's blood, on top of someone else's love. And no worse motel we find Cause home is the last place that I'd stand to be With anyone but you Cause I'd rot in hell with you If you just asked me to I love the shitty things we do together Live with me in this sin forever Hell and you I know you wanted to I say you take the shot, see this chance, feel the fire, and let me have this dance with you. Cause I'd rot in hell with you, if you just asked me to. I love the shitty things we do together, live with me in this sin forever, hell and you. I know you wanted to. I say you take the shot, see this chance, feel the fire, and let me have this dance with you. Listening to a mutiny transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 